Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Final hour kicks off from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow with you and discussing all the NFL headlines. We'll have one big thing on every NFL playoff game coming up in about 20 minutes. The headline also in the NFL and college football both, Kevin Warren is leaving the Big Ten as commissioner of the Big Ten, and he is headed to the Chicago Bears. Chad, the discussion now turns to what does the Big Ten do next, but considering they didn't give him a contract extension most recently, and knowing that this storyline was out there where he had interviewed with the Bears about two weeks ago, it was... Known, it was. I mean, if you're go, you're talking with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten in Chicago, and you offer him the job, I think common sense tells you he's taking it. And it would also, common sense would tell us the Big Ten has at least one or two in mind that they're going to be reaching out to. But it is a big hire because of what Kevin Warren leaves behind with the television contract and with conference expansion. Yeah, you got someone who worked with uh, Jay Z that's running the Big Twelve. You got someone who ran a sports book. Yep. That's running the Pac-12, Klyavikov. Uh, what is the next iteration of outside-the-box commissioner hire? I think it's a television executive. I mean, why not just well, completely cross the threshold that's what they did. and say uh, this is like a GM becoming an, a, uh, a, an agent becoming a GM or vice versa? If you just hired someone who ran a network or runs a network to run a conference that knows every – in and out in detail of sports programming, television contracts with the league, and that person is the one that's in charge of your conference that'll be negotiating the next television contract. That's the biggest source of revenue for the conferences, so I think that might be a likely scenario at some point. I'm not saying the Big Ten's going to do that, but I'm thinking about what could the next step be. I think it's someone in television running one of these conferences. Yeah, um, it's a good thought. Plus, uh, Brett Yormark, you know, he came for the to the Big Twelve. His background was with Rock Nation, but he had also yeah. worked with the Brooklyn Nets. And I want did I feel like one of these guys was with Apple or Google or something. There was some background there to what you're saying with the streaming services. Um, you know, at least a little bit of background there, and that that would also make a ton of sense. Um, but it, I mean, you you join the as commissioner of the Big Ten, you're automatically number one, number two, depending on what side of the country you live on, uh, on the most powerful person in college athletics. We say it's Greg Sankey, but this past year and everything that we saw accomplished by the Big Ten, except for winning the championship, um, getting two teams into the playoff, seeing what they've done with USC and UCLA and getting the West Coast, getting the LA market, and, and then knowing the, the TV revenue that's coming in with the NFL model that Kevin Warren set up, I mean, it is a very good situation for whoever, whoever ends up taking that gig. And if you do bring in the TV background, 
You can add two things. It's a seven-year agreement. But it's also about conference expansion and where we're headed. And I'm wondering if it slows down or picks up. Because for the last two July 4th weekends, there has been major movement in college athletics. Texas and Oklahoma, two years ago. Last year, USC, UCLA. And then the rumors swirled then about Oregon and Washington State and others. And I wonder if that's on the horizon again. This is all up to Greg Sankey and the SEC, I think. If there's going to be any movement right now, it would be Greg Sankey in the cover of Darkness at Night as the Big Ten searching for their next commissioner saying, let's do business right now. Let's strike while they are in an interim period of finding a new commissioner and go to some teams that we covet and say, now is the time. I'm not going anywhere. I am the strongest leader in college sports before Kevin Warren left. I am going to be the strongest leader in college Mm. sports moving forward. And oh, by the way, I'm still employed as the commissioner of the SEC. Jump on board now. So if the SEC was planning a counter strike to USC and UCLA, now is the time to attack. This is art of war level stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You do it right now. They don't have a boss. If you are competing over the same programs or talking to anyone, your sales pitch is simple. They have no leadership. They don't know what they're doing. Jump on board with us right now. I don't know that he wants to expand right now. Yeah. I don't know that that's and, on the front burner for what Greg Sankey wants to do. And the teams that make sense can't out of the ACC. Right. But. So, But if, if you wanted to do it and you had a team earmarked for your conference, now's the time to do it if you're Greg Sankey. Don't know that that's what they want, but it's not going to be a Big Ten decision. This will quell anything going on with the Big Ten with no commissioner in place. For right now, if it's going to happen, it's going to be the SEC adding someone. Maybe, you know, outside the box, Big 12, your mark has been pretty active. Maybe he's trying to grab someone from the the Pac-12, you know, let's say for an example, and bring them in. Don't know. But any big level, you know, we're talking USC, UCLA level movement, it's going to be prompted by Greg Sankey in the SEC. Derek Carr, quarterback uh, for the Raiders, and no more. It'll become official soon as they try to trade him. But he sent out a statement uh, to the Raiders fans and to uh, just the league in general, thanking everyone for you know making his experience in Vegas cool and goes back to Oakland as well. Uh, but part of his statement says, it's especially hard to say goodbye because I can honestly say I gave you everything I had every single day in season and in the offseason. Certainly wasn't perfect, but I hope that I was able to leave you with more than a few great memories as Raiders fans. That from Derek Carr in a statement on social media. Keep in mind, they sent him packing with two weeks to play because of the injury guarantee that was on his contract. If he was not able to pass a physical three days after the Super Bowl, they would have owed him $40 million guaranteed for the upcoming year because that was just a bonus structure that had been put in there in case of injury, and they did not want him injured so that they don't have to pay that, and they're able to move him. You know, think of Jimmy Garoppolo last offseason, and while it worked out in the San Francisco's favor, he gets hurt. He doesn't have the postseason surgery until, what, March, it felt like, right before the draft. And then they were left with a 17-week pause session as they tried to trade him, but they couldn't because they couldn't guarantee he could pass a physical. This will be the opposite. And now we get to see if there are multiple bidders for Carr and what the price tag could be for a Vegas team that needs to find their next franchise quarterback 
because they have a 1,600-yard rusher in Josh Jacobs, who's also scheduled to be a free agent, and Devontae Adams, who was a 1,200-yard-plus wide receiver this past season, and nothing to show for it with all of that production in the backfield and on the outside in the passing game. So where do the Raiders go from here? I like the Tom Brady short-term possibility for their roster right now. Uh, but if not, that's a team with a, a top 10 pick that is going to be thinking quarterback. So it leads the possibility that someone overdrafts a quarterback or the Raiders being one of those teams that tries to trade yeah. up with someone, with, with, uh, with most likely the Chicago Bears, to get the number one overall pick in their future at quarterback. And that's going to come down to, to, I think, to just how highly does Josh McDaniels think of C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at the top but, of the draft. But also, you know, they, what does he think of Jimmy Garoppolo? Because that's another, with how things are going with Brock Purdy. Let me tell you what I think about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a big step down from Derek Carr, personally. Well, the, the, I think the Jimmy Garoppolo is, worked in San Francisco, but I'm also seeing Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, work even better in San Francisco. So I think that's way more San Francisco than anything. Now, I understand the history he has with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's a weird sales pitch. I think if you're the Raiders, like that's just such an in-between. That's a mid-move. You're well, going to go from Derek yeah, Carr and that it's contract situation to Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is a... It, it, even optimistically, to me, is a slight step down from, from Derek Carr. If you're really pessimistic about Garoppolo, especially with all of his injuries, it's a huge step down. But it's also not going for the next quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So to, if, if, it's, if the answer is somehow Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the answer is you're going to draft a rookie quarterback and mold that quarterback for the future. If you're going for winning the Super Bowl right now, then Hutton, you laid out the two possibilities, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Yes, and it, th those two make the most sense with Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams. Adams with Rodgers, right? And uh, Brady popping in there to win, to go after and chase another one. Makes, I can connect those dots pretty easily. Yes. Right? I can in Miami too, but the, or the, the Sean Payton experience. But the one in Vegas, if you want to get back out to the West Coast, to me... That's the, that's the way to go. And I know a lot of people are going to say San Fran. But San Fran, with the way things are going with Purdy and with whatever they have in Trey Lance, maybe they do try to go and drop in what money to uh, a veteran on the open market. But to me, Vegas is set up a bit better for the circumstances of what Brady would want coming in and the veterans that he would want to come with him. By the way, Gronk is one of them. Uh, reports are the... the Rumors are, I should uh, not reports. Rumors are that Gr that Gronk is ready to come back for another year and pair up with Tom. How how many times can Gronk do this? As many Where times as just, Tom Brady wants to come you back. You just step away. Yeah, but it's a very interesting plan because he got so beaten up early on in his career with the injuries and the wear and tear, and then he stays in shape when he doesn't play football, and he just comes back so much healthier. He just goes for a refresh. Yeah, he, does. he has to bulk up, really. Yeah, he gets thin, though, but he stays in good shape, I think, from a cardio perspective. His body heals up. Then he comes back, and he's refreshed, and he can go and play for a year or two and then step away. I'm just thinking at his age, could he do it two more times? <laughs> come back next year, play a year, step away for a year, come back again for someone else, and just recharge and do this every other year type thing? 
not uh, there's not many people who could do that in the history of the NFL, but Gronk, as a future Hall of Famer, may be one of them. You could tell he misses it, but at the same time doesn't. I think he misses the locker room and Brady more than he does just actual play. But the bonus structure he has set up with the receptions, I mean, Brady's getting that for him every time. Based on how terrible the trailer was for that 80 for Brady movie (laughs) that Gronk is in, that may have been the breaking point where he did that movie and said, this can't be my life. I can't. I've done too many shoe commercials already. He's all over the place with uh, hawking shoes. And then he did that movie and said, yeah, this isn't my future. I got to play football at least one more time. I mean, his numbers... Um, he had more yards and more catches in 2021 than he did the Super Bowl year of 2020 with Tampa, uh, where combined his last two seasons, uh, which were in Tampa, 13 touchdowns and roughly 1,500 receiving yards combined. Red zone threat. I mean, that's you come back and you win with Gronk. Brady wins. Well, that's that's another selling point to bring in Tom Brady if you're the Raiders or someone else is that could be a bit of a package deal with Gronk coming back. Uh, so Mike Williams, wide receiver for the Chargers, he's questionable for Saturday's game against Jacksonville, um, having some issues based on getting injured with the in the final game, a meaningless game at the time for uh, a matchup last week where they left their starters in, including, uh, you know, their, let's see, majority of their offense through midway through the third quarter, early fourth quarter is when after, actually Staley took his starters out. But this was after Mike Williams, who was having back spasms, had already gone to the locker room in the first half and did not return. And many are pointing to Staley playing his starters uh, for a game where if they win or lose at the time, they were scheduled to go to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. So he's questionable. And the favorite in this game is actually the Los Angeles Chargers. They're currently favored by two and a half on the road on Saturday against Jacksonville. I want to throw this in too. Al Michaels is calling this game on NBC. You know, he leaves. This is part of that contract where um, they've got the Sunday night football game. The Saturday evening game is Al Michaels and Tony Dungy calling Jacksonville and Los Angeles. And I'm eager to hear Al back on network TV instead of Amazon. See if he's pump, pumped up a little the bit. The energy will be high. Yeah, the energy will be high for this game. He's, he's got a good I one. think the mics are different. Like the, the sound effect on the, uh, the prime video his games. His voice is different. His voice is different too, but it's like the, the background. It's just more muted with him and Herb Street. Even when Herb Street goes on ESPN and does games with Fowler, it's like they have their mics cranked up more. Mm. And it's just louder naturally than it is on the, the prime video games. I'm not saying it's worse. It's just it's definitely different. The reason, Hutton, that I knew that Al Michaels was going to be on this game on NBC, if you remember, I think we talked about on the show, there was this whole thing about him not ever saying NBC. Mm, he, was, right. When he was doing the previews, he'd say Sunday Night Football or the Sunday Night game, and he'd give the network for every other game on the Thursday Night broadcast for prime video, and he was doing some sort of roundtable media discussion and he said, no, that's, that's not it at all. He said, I, I have no problem with them. In fact, I'm doing a game for NBC in the playoffs this year. And it's probably just me assuming that everybody knows the Sunday night game's on NBC. And it's not me you know, sliding them on purpose, which I kind of heard and thought, yeah, he's probably sliding them on purpose. <laughs> he knows. I feel like Al Michaels knows everything he he's does. He's getting, what, says. 16 or $18 million, though? Yeah. To, to not be there uh, on, on NBC. Um, so 
the hype video for the Chargers going on the road. They're favored by two and a half in Jacksonville. Preseason, many were picking the Chargers to win the division. And going into the postseason, there are many that are not picking L.A. They're picking Jacksonville. And here is the hype video from the Los Angeles Chargers put out this week. Do you feel like the Chargers are cooked? Are they done? Yeah, I feel like they're done. Do you think the Chargers are a good team? No. Chargers don't matter that much. The Chargers are one and two when they look just terrible. From a Chargers standpoint, this is bad news right now. I'm sick and tired of talking about this team, and they never do anything. Do I can't imagine the Chargers winning this one. I've got no faith in them at this point. I don't think they could beat anyone. Injuries have already stopped and sunk the Chargers yeah. season. It's over. <laughs> Big facts. They don't play a lot of defense. Unwatchable. Will the Chargers fall? Yes. Chargers overrated. I'm not impressed. Totally Absolutely brutal. They're no big thing. They're not good. It's just what they are. They're a major disappointment. Startlingly average. A social media quarterback. Boring to watch. It is time to panic. They're at the drive-thru. You're screwed. Love it, and that, I'm surprised we didn't hear Withrow's voice on that uh, from earlier yeah. this season. I'm, I'm surprised Chris Chargers. Sims hasn't thrown out eight F-bombs that, <laughs> about them using his his audio and his video of him talking about them. Look, here's my message to the Chargers, though. Uh, don't suck. Like you, you sucked. So everybody was saying facts about you at the time when you were not good. So I, I, it's, an, it's a weird flex to me that you're hyping up the fact that you did disappoint for half the season, and you weren't good enough. And oh, by the way, people were overly critical of you because they loved you the previous two years. They loved Justin Herbert. And they had you going to the playoffs the year before. And then you came out and you started laying an egg early in the year. It's great, good. You turn it around, you're in the playoffs, you got a good chance here. Herbert is a great quarterback. It's a very well-done video. But everything said about the team was happening at a time when they were bad. I'd get it if it was they were using all clips from the preseason of this team is going to be dead last in the division. This team is going no. People were so down on the Chargers because most people who cover the NFL love them. They love their potential. They love Herbert, and then they disappointed for half the season. That's why you're getting a lot of those receipts and that they're taking in the video. And it's why many are saying that Staley could be on the outs if they fall this week. Now, that would be funny if they fired <laughs> after putting that video out and all this hype about how they've exceeded all the expectations after people said they were done. Then they fire their coach after putting that video and if out. And if he's not, if they do lose and he's not out, the hot seat has really ramped up for him going into 2023. Without question, with the, your franchise quarterback, uh, both he and Burrow are eligible for contract extensions this offseason for the first time after year three. Going into year four, you got to get more out of Justin Herbert for the production he's giving you. Chad, one other quick note. Sean Payton. It could be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, if you want to pair the quarterback whisperer with a great quarterback, that would be one that, I mean, I, I don't know what the capital situation is in terms of what they'd have to give up with draft picks and whatever the Saints wanted to do business, but the initial reports, Hutton, were two teams. I remember from the very first one, Sean Payton would be most interested in Arizona and the Chargers. And he has already been granted permission to chat with Arizona. He's interviewing in Los Angeles today with the Denver Broncos. Um, one other quick note. 
Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt head coach, yeah. former defensive coordinator at Stanford, current now no longer defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. He is stepping down as the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys uh, at Oklahoma State for a sabbatical. He's not jumping back into coaching. He's taking at least a year off from coaching uh, to get his mind right and rest. That's how I read into this. I think that, and I don't know that this is the case with uh, Derek Mason because he's not currently a head coach. I, I do just feel like there is a, a changing of the guard with a lot of college football coaches that just are sick of NIL and the transfer portal and the grind that goes on with being a, a, a coach. Uh, we had Clay Travis on yesterday. talked about Kirby Smart telling him in a golf cart at a golf tournament about yes, how sick yeah. of it he's going to be with everything going on. And the burnout factor is going to be a lot quicker with a lot of guys, and they're going to either try to make the move to the NFL or not coach and go into media or go do something else. So maybe that's the case with Derek Mason. Hun, we always had a great experience with him here in Nashville. Really good guy. Really nice guy. We bowled with him at a charity event one we time. Won. He was on our bowling team, and we won, and we're not even good bowlers. I don't think Coach Mason was a very good bowler. That just showed the level of celebrity, of unathletic celebrity at this event. That the sports guys, the you know, in quote, air quotes, right, sports yeah. guys there took home the title, and I'm pretty sure we all kind of suck at bowling, and we still won the the tournament. Uh, and also, there was a member of In Sync that was in that charity. Oh, tournament. that's right. We're going back to to boy and, bands. Um, Chris Kirkpatrick of In Sync, I believe, was in the. Uh, oh, there was one other person in there with him too, with like a broken arm. Was it Howie? No, it was, it was Lee Greenwood. That's, that's right. Yeah, Lee Greenwood had a kind of sling on. <laughs> Really funny. Anyway, I say all that to say we wish Derek Mason the best. Yeah. And when he decides to coach again, he's going to be a highly sought-after defensive coordinator for some Power 5 program. Not as a head coach, but he's going to be a defensive coordinator hire for someone. Coming up, one big thing on every NFL playoff game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And for this weekend, that's next in Outkick 360. We're back. Huddy Withrow with you for Outkick 360. Brandon Streeter was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. Dabo has fired him. Wow. Yes. Tony Elliott, of course, the longtime offensive coordinator, left to be the head coach of Virginia, and now they're looking for another offensive coordinator after a season for Streeter with the Tigers. Surprises me a bit. Seems like a very anti... Uh, well, he's got had such good staff continuity for so long with all the success and guys not leaving. Uh, and then last year, Brent Venables... On the defensive side, who's with him for so long, goes to Oklahoma, uh, Tony Elliott, and the now Strader firing had, the next offensive Strader coordinator. Strader been with him there since 2014 in Cur some capacity. Curious to see how far outside the box he goes yes. with this next hire offensively and if he tries to get a little bit more new-aged, I guess for lack of a better term, about college football and offense with the next hire. The president of the University of Michigan has released a statement on Twitter about Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Uh, the president of the University of Michigan's name is Santa Ono. Uh, I don't know if it's a relation to Yoko Ono or not, but Santa Ono tweets out, 
I'm pleased to share that I've been having very positive and constructive conversations with our athletic director and football coach. Ward Manuel and I both want to see Jim Harbaugh stay as the head football coach as the University of Michigan Wolverines. Hashtag go blue. So a statement to basically say we're talking with the coach and we want to keep him around. Um, from the president, but there was who was the AD's boss. A report that they didn't want to give him the bump in pay yet until the things work itself out. They're going to have to give him a bump in pay to get him to not take the Denver-Indianapolis yeah. job. Well, and again, that statement is just saying we very much, we've had encouraging conversations. We very much yeah. want to keep him, but also doesn't respond to any of those reports that they don't want to give him a bigger contract because of the NCAA problems. Basically, he's just saying... We don't want him to leave or we're not going to fire him because of the NCAA problems. But there could be the, some complications around the contract yeah. and what he wants guaranteed based on those conversations. The saga continues. It's deja vu for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, a year removed from the same type of situation. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts. You can join chat in the uh, chat. In the chat. Always mix those two up. Uh, chat with Chad. In the chat YouTube, with Chad, Chad in the chat, however you want to say. YouTube stream right now. Search us out. Hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Also, join us streaming at outkick.com and, of course, across this great radio network with this great partner that you may be listening to currently. Chad, it is time for one big thing on every NFL playoff game. And we kick things off at 4.30 Eastern. Seven seed Seattle will be taking on the two seed San Francisco 49ers as uh, San Fran hosts a playoff game here, not having to go on the road in round one. San Fran, they beat Seattle in both regular season games this year. And in those two games, they gave up one offensive touchdown in two games. Uh, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks are a great story. They were not great against San Francisco. And Brock Purdy has more than exceeded expectations. He's helping lead this San Francisco offense since he replaced Jimmy G. Mr. Irrelevant, he's the final pick in the draft. 107.3 passer rating in his six games. He's yet to lose. And now he enters postseason play where many are skeptical that he can continue this hot trend. But this was supposed to be a Seattle Seahawks team that was in total rebuild mode. And now they go into the postseason as a seven seed with absolutely nothing to lose. They're playing with house money. And they're playing with one of the favorites right now to reach the Super Bowl in San Francisco based on their defense and the talent around Purdy at quarterback. 8-15, the nightcap on Saturday. Chargers in Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Four against a, uh, four against a five in the AFC playoffs. Justin Herbert, his yards per attempt, they've jumped by nearly a full yard in the five games since his top receivers have returned and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, though, hasn't practiced all week with back issues, suffered in last week's game. The Chargers, Chad, just one of their 10 wins was, was against a team with a winning record. They're keeping receipts, though. Based on that video, they are keeping receipts. Jacksonville, by the way, played on the road against L.A. in week three, and they won 38-10. to And the Chargers, I believe, are 1-4 in, in outdoor games this year. They don't play well outside, apparently. Hutton, it sounds to me like you may be suggesting you should lay a pretty heavy bet on that money line with the Jags on Saturday. You're throwing out a lot of stats. That's got me, even though I think the Chargers are better, that's got me interested. Maybe placing a little money line bet on the slight underdog, I mean, Jacksonville at home. Trevor Lawrence, 
He had three touchdowns against this Chargers defense earlier this season. And throughout this win, this winning streak to get them into the postseason, he has thrown for 15 touchdowns, just two interceptions in his last nine games. The hot hand is actually with Lawrence and not Herbert, even though Herbert's known for putting up the yards, uh, the passing yards. It's been Trevor Lawrence has been having more success with the passing touchdowns. Let's move to Sunday. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Dolphins and Bills. The Dolphins get in. The season officially, though, begins for the Bills Sunday. America's team, the Buffalo yes. Bills. Yes. We have been pointing to the playoffs for Buffalo since last offseason. They were the preseason favorite to reach and win the Super Bowl. And here they are hosting Miami on their path to get to Glendale. Everyone that does not have another team that they're a fan of in the playoffs right now will be rooting for the Buffalo Bills in this game. Damar Hamlin, I think, is I would guess, is going to be there in some capacity. Now that he's been released from the hospital, that's going to be an emotional and very cool scene in Orchard Park on Sunday. Looking forward to watching this game, if only for that, because the Bills are about to just curb stomp the Dolphins in this game. That is my expectation for what's about to happen because no Tua. Well, no, yeah, no Tua. Skylar Thompson is going to get the, the start for Miami. Of course, he's head-to-head -head against Josh Allen on the opposite sideline. Josh Allen has turned the ball over an NFL high 19 times this season. He has five red zone interceptions. That also leads the league. It is time for Josh Allen to become playoff Josh Allen starting on Sunday. The Dolphins have gone to the playoffs three times over the past 21 years. And each time they've done that, it's been with a first-year head coach And those three times. Tony Sperano, Adam Gase, and now Mike McDaniel gets them in. And he's done it through solid quarterback play from Tua, but they were winning some games without Tua because they could still spin it to top wide receivers Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. They combined for not 194 catches, 3,066 yards, and 15 touchdowns this year. Those two. That's that that is the a lot. Uh, yes, and that that is one though that um, I'll be surprised if it's close. Let's let's say that Same. for this one. Sunday at 4.30 Eastern, Giants on the road in Minnesota. The Vikings defense, 31st in yards allowed, 29th in points allowed. And they gave up 445 yards to the Giants in that three-point win, the last second field goal in week 16. The Giants have to go into this confident. Um, Daniel Jones had a big performance that got them to this point to ensure that they were going to the postseason. And they played well against Minnesota, despite that being a loss. But the momentum factor, we'll find out if this matters. Because the Giants have really limped in on the win-loss record. They're 2-5-1 in their last eight games. But many are picking the New York Giants to upset the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, by the way, is the only team in the NFL that did not give up a lead in the fourth quarter or overtime this year. It's a crazy stat. And Minnesota's a team that for most of the year we're watching them hunting and thinking... Is this a team that we're not talking about that could go on a run and win a Super Bowl? The way they were playing, it'd be very disappointing to lose at home to open the playoffs if, if you're the Vikings. I, I like them in this game, and a big reason is, is the way the Giants played down the stretch after being a great story for much of the year, that they're not playing their best football right now. No, Saquon Barkley's got to take over if that's going to be the case. Limit possessions, uh, because if he can't 
the other guy on the other sideline will and Justin Jefferson. Even though he was held to one catch against Green Bay. Um, that's doesn't feel like the case in this one for Justin Jefferson. Uh, Sunday night football, Ravens at Bengals. We get the rematch from last week. The Bengals have won 12 of their last 14 games, including their last eight games. Jamar Chase, 40 catches in his five games since returning from injury. And he has six catches for 86 yards and a touchdown in their win over the Ravens last week. They'll continue to look to get him the football, but they can spread it around. They can beat you multiple ways. I keep saying that, you know, I, I keep thinking Joe Mixon shows up at some point, but the Bengals are 29th in rushing. They average just 30, uh, 3.8 yards per carry, and they've averaged just 2.8 yards per carry in the last three games. But they've still managed to win two of those three games by double digits because Joe Burrow is playing at such a high level. But, Chad, they've got... They have, they have to find consistency in their run game in order to complement what Cincinnati wants to do through the year. And I don't think it's going to matter, though, because if you take away some of the first half that Lamar Jackson played in on December 4th, he has missed 10 straight games from December 1st on for the Ravens. Can't finish a season the last two years. For Lamar Jackson, bone bruise a year ago, the PCL sprain this year. Very strange that immediately they put out the statement that should be a two to four week deal and still has not come back. Yes, it'll be six weeks this week. He has not practiced this week. Not good. And uh, we'll know tomorrow for sure on this game for the injury report. Tyler Huntley did throw in an open portion of practice for Baltimore, but he's got a bum shoulder. So we'll see how that goes with the injury report. That's one to watch, though. Because they've got they've got issues, and Lamar Jackson's trying to go for that contract. He may not be able to play based on the knee problem. And so, Hutton, your next game is, to me is the game of the week: Cowboys Buccaneers. Monday Night Football, eight fifteen kickoff. The Cowboys they have a league high thirty three takeaways this season. They're second in the turnover differential at plus ten. Dak Prescott, however, also turns it over. The highest interception percentage in the league. He's averaging an interception every 26 pass attempts. And he's thrown at least one interception in nine of his 11 starts this season. This is Tom Brady's 20th playoff appearance. The Bucks enter at 8-9. But this can't be just a one and done. It doesn't feel like that type of story for, for Tampa and for Tom Brady. It could be. Dallas should be the team that wins, but Brady has his receivers back. They're the healthiest they've been in a while. He had at least a half of rest against Atlanta last week. And the pressure's on Dallas, as crazy as that is, with Tom Brady on the other sideline. Oh, yeah. Pressure's on Dallas to go to Tampa and win this game. And I think that that the Bucs are as confident as they've been since week one. Specifically, if we're going to go to one individual, the pressure's on Mike McCarthy. I think he's mm. going to be white-knuckling it throughout this game because he knows that Daddy Jerry is going to come in and fire him and go for Sean Payton if they are one and done in the playoffs. ton of pressure on him. ton of pressure on Dak Prescott. I mean, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for Dak Prescott, especially in the playoffs. They're the better team than Tampa all year. They need to go there and win this game in advance. But I'm with you, Hutton. I don't, I don't see all the drama around Tom Brady and his personal life this year and what was going on and the team not looking good most of the year. To sneak in the, the playoffs and win the division 
But be 8-9 and in doing so and hosting a playoff game, to me, feels like they're winning at least one game in this tournament. Dallas needs to go to the run. Run first. Stop forcing Dak to throw it all over the field. I haven't seen them fully go into the one uh, run first offense in Dallas. I think they should. If they do that, they can win. And I think they can win by double digits against Tampa. And that is one thing on That's, every playoff game. It is. Hutton, some news here. Um, we opened this segment talking about Dabo Sweeney firing his offensive coordinator. Why? Ross Dellinger is reporting that they are after TCU offensive coordinator and the reigning Broyles Award winner, Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's brother, to be the next offensive coordinator. That is a big, big move for Clemson, if so. That is Dabo Sweeney announcing to the college football world, yeah, we're going to treat this season as a a one-season dip, and we're about to go get arguably, if not the best offensive coordinator in football, the guy who did the best job this past year with TCU. And we need him to do a great job with our five-star at Clubman. Yes. Yep. That's the move. And pair him with Klubnik for the foreseeable future. Yep. That's uh, that's well, big now, time. And, and now, it, do, it does feel now like... Chris Lowe says that Garrett Riley is headed to Clemson. Wow. He's reporting that. Gar- uh, Chris Lowe says Garrett Riley headed to Clemson to be the OC, sources tell ESPN. Big move for Dabo. Huge. Great job by him. Uh, that's a no-brainer. And that also... Not to say that Clemson's offense wasn't modern, but I think it more modernizes their approach and what they're going to do. And I think Garrett Riley is going to come up with a, I think Kate Klubnick's got a lot of potential, but he's going to come up with something that works for him and fit fit an offense around him. This is a move that A&M should make. And I know they did, but it took a while. You know? Like they... they well, I, I look at it and think, uh, what is A&M thinking right now? Like oh, should well, they have just tried, waited, and tried to bring him in instead of Bobby Petrino? I mean... It's a shorter move. Yes, but uh, the... The, the ability to use this as a trampoline to become the next college football head coach, th- this could also be a one-and-done situation. Yeah. Right? Um, oh, we- if, if Clemson's great on offense next year, he's going to get offers. I don't know the level of offer he's going to get, but he's going to get an offer. We'll give you the very latest on this story as we read this through in the break, and we will also dive into some of the other interviews that have taken place today across the NFL for GM and head coaching candidacies. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, that's all straight Literally, ahead. as we were having the discussion on Cincinnati and Baltimore and the quarterback injury list for them, Lamar Jackson where the team has to put out the injury report tomorrow, Lamar Jackson tweets this out today. He's, by the way, he's not playing. He's out. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue to get treatments on the road to recovery. 
I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and my fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. And he has a little purple heart next to that. Very sweet. He's being very hopeful, too. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, hoping against hope right there so when out. you're not playing in the game. So. And this was, I mean, he was being very hopeful whenever he tried to double down. I don't blame him, by the way, with what Deshaun Watson got. Yeah. You know, he's next up. And quite frankly, for all of the media members and the players, former players that are saying, oh, you know, you, you know, he should have he, he uh, accepted the deal that they offered him or whatever. And I mean, I don't think it's a large group of people. But if you think about setting a precedent and where we're headed for the NFL contracts compared to the NBA or Major League Baseball and the quarterback money versus what the other top players receive on an annual basis, you want him to get the guaranteed contract. The Players Association should absolutely be pushing this to the moon and back on Deshaun Watson getting this versus the structure that's in place for the NFL with the cap and how we just don't have anything guaranteed. We were going through the contract for Derek Carr earlier, uh, the money that's due to certain big names, uh, Devontae Adams, where you can go through it year by year. The last two years of that deal really don't matter. Deshaun Watson's does, and Lamar Jackson's next in line. After that, it's Herbert and Burrow that are next to get the big deal and could push for the fully guaranteed money, although it doesn't sound like the ownership of either of those franchises could actually pull it off. Baltimore, with Steve Bashotti could, with the liquid, you have to have so much liquid, it put in escrow, and put it back for the guaranteed portion of the, of the contract, and not every NFL owner can have that at the ready. A handful can, and he's one, and you, we've already seen Haslam do it, I'd like to see other owners do it at the quarterback spot at least so some of these guys you know, end up with the guarantees instead of being on the outs. I, I hope you know, he can double down, and ultimately he's fine playing on the franchise tag for the next two years, and makes, he'll make around $80 million doing that. But he could win a lot of favor for a league structure that's not in favor of the player through the collective bargaining agreement. I'm, I'm rooting for that. Because I'd like to see the players get a bigger piece of the pot. I really feel like he is going to be franchised. Yes, he's going to be back in Baltimore. I don't, you know, there's a lot of speculation with different fan bases and teams wanting to see Lamar Jackson in their favorite team's uniform. I think that uniform is going to be black and purple, uh, regardless of how this this shakes out. But you agree, Hutton? The most likely scenario is he's franchised. I, I think that's where we're headed, and, and I think in, in the major part of that is the fact. What I mentioned earlier, he's missed 10 straight games at the end of the season, the last two years. But they, they, yes, and they could also, they could also give him a non-exclusive franchise tag, which would allow him to negotiate with other teams. That's another possibility, although I think it's more of the exclusive tag rights. You pay him, he signs it, and it'd be roughly, what, $45 million is the number I saw. Uh, but it's the top five salaries, the average of the top five salaries for that one year. And then once you sign it, it's fully locked in. So, you know, that's why he's cool doing the fully franchised money because that is fully guaranteed upon signing it. And you, in essence, you could do it twice. You have, to go, you have to go up 10% of what you paid in the year before, and this would be year one. But you could do it twice, and he's getting a two-year, $80 million fully guaranteed deal. Similar to what Kirk Cousins did minus one year. He signed three and 85, I think, in Minnesota originally. 
it's going to be this is the next big mountain to climb yep. with a quarterback to see what the future is going to look like and with the, everyone else. And the value. You know, how much does Baltimore need him? They've revamped their entire line of thinking over drafting him originally. The final pick in the first round that year. And, you know, they don't have much to show for it at wide receiver. They trade away Hollywood Brown to Arizona. And they're a tight end team that can run it. Can they improve in that area? They can play defense too. They've allowed just, what, 15 points per game over the last handful of matchups? Look, after Monday night's national championship disaster of a game, I am looking forward to some good, close, yes. competitive football this weekend. Um, I'm not optimistic about <laughs> many of these games because of the backup quarterback situation in too many of them. But I hope I'm surprised. Hope we come back and we're talking about how, hey, Seahawks 49ers a lot better than we expected. And then Tyler Huntley played great for Baltimore and takes Cincinnati down to the wire. I hope we're talking about some really good, compelling football late in the fourth quarter for some of these games. I just don't see it with many of them. Chad, the big winner today, Clemson, they've hired Garrett Riley away from TCU to be their next offensive coordinator. He'll be teaming up with Dabo and teaming up with Pay Club in 2023. We are back at it for the Friday edition. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern. Plenty of headlines, news, analysis, guests, and we'll get you ready for all of those NFL kickoffs starting with Seahawks 49ers on Saturday. We'll see you then right here for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. <laughs>